today we continue our worship series on the letter of First Peter, a letter that was written to long-ago Christians as a reminder that through Jesus' resurrection, we have been given new birth and into a living hope. In fact, we are Easter people, and we are to live each day impacted by the hope and the joy that Jesus brings. This week, we are focusing on the second chapter of 1 Peter, beginning in verse 19. Hear these words from Scripture. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Some scriptures are not easy. They're not easy to hear, and they're not easy to understand, especially upon first reading. And today's scripture is one of those. It sounds like, when we first read it, that under certain circumstances, God is okay with abuse. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. It sounds like God is okay with abuse. But I want to begin this morning being very clear that God does not want you to be abused. God does not want any of us to be abused, whether it is mental, physical, or emotional. This passage is not condoning abuse. If you are in a situation of abuse, then you need not stay and endure. That is not God's will. If you are in such a situation, then I ask you to please contact myself, please contact the domestic abuse hotline, contact someone, and get help. Especially right now as we shelter in place and individuals are in homes and situations that might not be the safest. And as financial stress and fear of the unknown can cause people to act in ways that they might not normally, I want us all to know that God does not want anyone to endure an abusive situation. So then, what is today's scripture saying? First, it's important, in, in order to understand what the scripture is saying, to know and put the passage into context. Let's remember that this is a very personal letter written to members of a specific community. It's a letter that was written to Christians in Asia Minor who were in exile. Christians who were in, in exile not because they physically moved away 
from where they once lived, but because they chose a new life, a different life. They were pagans, but they chose a new life with Jesus. And because of that, they were exiled from their old family and friends who were not Christians. They lived each and every day surrounded, yet on the outside of their former lives. And because of this, they surely did find themselves to be a threatened minority in a disbelieving and a sometimes hostile world. So this letter is an attempt to give hope and to give perspective and a sense of solidarity to those who were probably feeling helpless and alone. As new Christians surrounded by people who didn't follow Jesus, they were constantly being watched. People wanted, wanted to know, did Jesus really change their lives? Were they really different than they were before? Or was it all just smoke and mirrors? And also, authorities were questioning, are these Christians going to cause trouble in society? So in today's scripture, we see the author acknowledging, yes, you are going to suffer. Life happens, and that's a part of it. You're going to be wronged. But when that happens, the author says, remember, Christ left you an example, and you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him, the one who judges justly. The author is reminding these new Christians that, yes, your faith is going to be tested because life happens. And in those times, people are going to watch, and they're going to see how you are going to react. What are you going to do in the face of cruel treatment? Will you repay evil for evil? Or will you repay good for evil? Will you treat others as they have treated you? Or will you treat others as Christ would treat them? When we think of unjust suffering, it's easy to quickly jump to the big systemic injustices. Racism, sexism, all of the isms that are very real in our world. Like Martin Luther King Jr., as an example of how to fight for systemic injustice by using nonviolence. But it's also important to consider how we act and react in the day-to-day -day challenges that we face. A few years ago, Russ went to the grocery store to do our shopping for the week, and he pulled into the parking spot he got out of the car and he turned around to grab his cell phone from the console of the car. And when he turned back, he was met with a man's fist punching him in the side of the head. At first, he was shocked and confused because he had no idea what was happening or why he was being attacked by someone. But his shock quickly transformed into rage as he looked into the assailant's face. The man was yelling at Russ, claiming that Russ had purposefully taken his parking spot. Now, Russ's initial urge was to retaliate, an eye for an eye. But thankfully, Russ has grown to be a very level-headed man. And so instead of following his urge to retaliate, 
he faced the man and he said, look, if you had approached me and told me that I had wronged you, I would have apologized and I would have given you the spot. But since you led with violence, I'm just going to call the police instead. And so as Russ pulled out his cell phone, the other man could see that Russ was serious. And so he jumped back in his car and he sped away. Later, as Russ shared the story with me, he commented on how there must have been something really awful going on in the man's life for him to get that worked up about a parking spot at a grocery store. Maybe he had just lost his job or gotten in a fight with a significant other, or maybe someone he cared about was in the hospital. Whatever it was, it was clear that the man probably wasn't that upset over just a parking spot. In that moment, Russ returned evil, returned good for evil. He didn't fight back with his fists, and he didn't fight back verbally either. He didn't use the world's standards for giving the guy what he deserved. He used God's standards. He diffused the situation, and then later he looked to that guy with compassion and grace. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he prayed to God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even in that excruciating moment, he showed infinite compassion and grace to his executioners and those who were tormenting him. This is the example that we are to live by. Each day we have the opportunity to represent Christ to the world, to respond to any given situation with compassion and grace, rather than perpetuating the cycle of evil for evil. Thankfully, as this letter of 1 Peter has already reminded us, we don't have to do this through our own power. We're not expected to be exactly like Jesus, but we are to try to live up to that standard, to show people Christ in the midst of everyday moments and struggles. We don't have to do this alone, though. We have God, and we have one another. Thanks be to God. Amen.